Good morning. Good morning. Hold on. I can I can barely hear you. Hold on. Let me put my headphones in. Okay, how about now? Hello? Good morning. Can you hear me? Hey, I can. That's way better now. All righty, all righty. So welcome to Honey's Corner. You are my very first guest that I'm interviewing, so you should feel very honored. I do feel very honored. There you go. All right. I really do. <laughs> so for those that are listening, I met this awesome, awesome guy at the Charles A. Trite. Um, about a couple weeks ago, there was a showing for his motion comic, Therians. Mm-hmm. Now, I had never heard of a motion comic, and I imagine that some people might be a smidge confused about what that is. So would you please explain for us exactly what that is? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, <clears throat> so basically, you start off with what's called, a, what's called a comic book. So let's start there. So a comic book, everybody knows what a comic book is. Right. We got the Spider-Man, Superman, Batman mm-hmm. type of stories. Right. Now, uh, what a motion comic essentially is, is that we just take the comic book uh, that we create or the graphic novel that we create, and then we just animate it. But we animate it in a way to where the animation is unique to the style of um of uh, uh, illustrations, which is mm-hmm. comic book style il- illustrations. So you you add a little bit of movement, a little bit of motion. You basically bring the comic book to life, and it's called a motion comic because it's not <clears throat> it's not full scale animation. So it's right. not like something you would see where you know the, the characters are actually full fledged moving. Mm-hmm. All right. No, you know what? That's a perfect explanation because when once I watched the um, the video and everything, I was like, oh, like this is a perfect way to describe like what I'm seeing right now. So uh, thank you. So I know where you're from, but where are you mm-hmm. from? And be specific about it. Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, specifically from the uh, east side of Detroit. I grew east up side? on. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up on uh, uh, the east side on a uh, Gratiot and Connor area on a street called Christie. Okay. Uh, right next to the Detroit City Airport. So back in the day, when uh, when I was uh, living over there, they they still used to be commercial flights flying yeah. out of the Detroit City Airport. Yeah, and so that was in the '80s, and um, uh, grew up there. Uh, went to Detroit public schools my entire life. So I went to Ale Holmes Burroughs Middle School, and uh, for a very short period of time, I went to Osborne for like two months. Okay. And then um, I my father ended up selling our home, and then I ended up going to uh, Gross Point North High School. Uh, we landed in Harper Woods. So I went to Gross Point North, and I finished off. I ended up going to Gross Point from ninth grade to gra- ended up graduating okay. in the 12th grade from North. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm an east side Detroiter, and now I'm currently west side, uh, west side uh, Oakland County area. All right. Yeah, actually, I grew up on the west side. I grew up on 6th and Telegraph, right across okay. the street from that giant cemetery. So, yeah, that is where I grew up. But we're kind of we're a couple years apart. So I can't say that I know your Detroit. But uh, right, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, but not much has changed. Not much yeah, has changed. Really, though, not much. Um, so did you take the college route? And if so, where did you go? I did take the college route. I went to uh, Wayne State University. Okay. Um, oh, you really? Getting... Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. You really were no, no. a Detroit public kid all the way yeah, through. Yeah, I was. Wow. 
I was. I went. To, I went. Ended up going to Wayne State, and I I majored in English there, and got my bachelor's degree in English with a minor in film studies and uh, creative writing. So yeah. That's awesome. That's see, that's a really cool mix. I think if I could do it again, because mm-hmm. I have my degree in uh, business management. So I think if I could do it again, I would probably major in English and then minor in like a specialty because yeah. I love to write. But you know, when you like, so my parents, I'm second generation college, but like it's, it, it's, it was like weird for us to navigate like, okay, we're sending the kids to college. So I didn't really have that sit down moment of what do you like to do what do you think you should major in so I just kind of got to college and I was like okay business that'll get me a job right all right I'll major right. in this and I think if I could do it again I would probably major in what you did like English because I love to write and then I'd mm-hmm. major in a specialty you know I'd something that would really push me toward my passion but I agree. I think I, I think you bring up a really good point in the fact that um, I was like you and you had you were, you were second generation college. I was first generation college. And I'm going to just be real. Like I was clueless as far as uh, how to apply for college, what to do. Uh, I actually didn't go right into college. I came out of high school and joined the army because I just was scared. I didn't know what to do. So I ended up joining the army reserves. And I didn't actually start college until I graduated in 99. I didn't start college until 2000 because I was away doing my uh, military stuff for for that whole summer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I think that that is uh, that's something that a a really good friend of mine named Dave uh, that I went to Gross Point North with. We talk about that a lot. And he he's a brother of color Mm -hmm. and uh, he lives in Chicago now. And we talk about how we as people of color uh, tend to lack in the guidance as far as like what to do yes. at least back then you know what to do for college how to apply for scholarships because I should have been getting scholarships my GPA was high enough to where I should have gotten scholarships I probably could have went to maybe a better college not right. not a better college but I could have had more of like the college experience because at Wayne State I didn't I was I was a commuter like I stayed at home yeah. and most most parents. people that go to Wayne State because it's, it's such a like if you grew up in this area you know that Wayne State like not so much as your fallback but you know that if you want to stay home you can mm-hmm. go you can go live in Detroit or you can live yep. in wherever you are but you still get like you know that quote-unquote college experience so, now you do yeah now you do but, but back then when uh when I went in in 2000 and and and, and uh and on mm-hmm. it was it was straight commuter like no uh-huh. one was sticking around on campus at that time oh, so wow. it's gotten it's gotten a lot better now but I'm just saying like with the with the grades mm-hmm. and the type of you know academic performance that I was doing if I would oh, have yeah. had the right coaching and guidance I probably would have gotten scholarships maybe to somewhere where I could have actually had a real like dorm and college experience right. so completely yeah. agree. I think it's like I just a little bit about me I, like I said, I was born and raised in Detroit, but my parents put us in uh, private schools in Southfield. So okay. I, like by the time I've been in, like we moved to Detroit when I was, I mean, we moved to Detroit. We moved to Southfield when I was 11. And so, you know, now we're just a little bit closer to school. We switched schools and I should have really, like you said, I should have been going somewhere partial scholarship uh Mm -hmm. you know at least a housing scholarship but it's Mm -hmm. you know my dad is in his 70s the way to apply for college back then 
was so so different compared to all of the stuff you need to do now and you got to pull your taxes from last year and how much do you pay all of that stuff wasn't really around when my parents were going to school so you know I agree with you I think that is something that's really uh, something needs to be talked about in our community like a lot of us most of us are in my place, my position, your position. You're a first generation or second generation college student, and you're still kind of confused about how that whole process works. Like mm-hmm. now that I have my bachelor's, I know how to go about getting my master's, but I can right. imagine, especially in this day and age, I can imagine how frustrating it was for you, but I can only imagine how frustrating it is for somebody my age. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of staying at home, no, I get it. I yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, so, you know what, that was, <laughs> so let's go back to the motion comic. What made yes. you interested in comics as a whole? Like, did your dad introduce them to you? Did you just kind of pick them up as you got older? No, I actually, uh, when I was a little kid, I used to sneak in, uh, back then we used to go inside of a drugstore. Uh, mm-hmm. It was called uh, Perry's Drugs, uh, which then eventually turned into Rite Aid Pharmacy. Okay. And uh, I used to, uh, they used to have a rack and on that rack would be comic books. It would be uh, your superhero, um, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. Right. And I used to, as my mom, my mom was very... Um, we, we visited the pharmacy a lot because my mother was was very uh, sickly throughout my entire life. So uh, she ended up eventually uh, in 2007, she ended up getting a liver transplant. She just was all, all I remember was being in and out of hospitals yeah. throughout, throughout my, my entire youth. Wow. But but she, she would often have prescriptions and things uh, that she would have to go and get. And a lot of times we would go in, she would drop off the prescription and then we would wait for the prescription to be filled. So as we were waiting for the prescription to be filled, I would go over and I would read the comic books. Now, um, I was never really allowed to buy them because whenever I would ask to buy them, my parents would be like, you know, no or right. whatever. They, you know, they really couldn't didn't couldn't afford them or didn't really want to buy them. So I would find myself reading them inside of the drugstore mm-hmm. a lot of times. And uh, and I would literally follow storylines by reading these comic books every every time I would go into the drugstore. So I became a fan of comics. I became a fan of superheroes by doing that. And then as I got older, uh, I started having a l- little bit more interest uh, on my own, um, reading comic books, following the storylines, even buying a couple myself. And um, then as a writer, I started getting more into comic books because I was more of a screenplay writer. Oh, I am more of a screenplay writer, uh, writing for screen, uh, writing, and also a stage play writer. So comic books, graphic novels was a natural progression for me because screenplays or scripts are how you pretty much what you write in order to get ready for a comic book. Yeah. So it just, it was just natural. So that's sort of like why I chose that medium and, and because I had the previous experience and the, and, and the previous fandom when it came to comic books, it just, it just was a match made in heaven. So. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on one second. I can't no hear you. Uh Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. The volume just went down. So I'm not sure if that'll affect the volume on the actual recording, but I'm gonna hope that it doesn't. Um, okay. 
did you notice like a really obvious lack of characters that looked like you as a kid or did you notice that more as you started to get into comics as an adult as a kid um I think it's something that you see, but you're not conscious or, or aware of until, you know, someone tells you. I think that it, it it's sort of making its imprint on you, whether you're conscious of it or not. My mm-hmm. my real my real notice of it, the, the lack of diversity came as more of an adult when I started really understanding the world and understanding how people of color were being like left out of mainstream media and mainstream mm-hmm. Um, yeah that did it start to like wow like why don't we have a black version or black superheroes like why are why are all the black superheroes why are they sidekicks or yeah. why are, why do they seem to have you know the power they, they don't seem to have the same type of effort put into their characters as these uh, these uh, so-called white superheroes right. so um, yeah so as an adult I started learning more more of that and noticing more of that and then really when I started getting into the comic book industry and writing uh comic books myself uh it would became even more evident mm-hmm. um just you know when you go into comic book stores and you see the representation of what's being sold and distributed it's like wow like we really do not have any representation uh in the mainstream when it comes to this to this genre we really don't no i agree i am um, as a kid like my parents would take my books away that was like that was my punishment right because i love to read so much and mm-hmm. I remember at the first school I was at, um, we had a little book club and almost every single book we read was written by a black author focused around like black people. And to me, that was normal. But so when I started to read young adult books, I, re- I realized like maybe two years into reading them that like all these stories I've been reading it's topics that I can relate to because I'm a teenager, but it's nobody that looks like me. And it kind of turns me off to young adult books because I didn't realize there was this kind of in-between genre because some YA books were like straight urban and then others were just like a white girl that grows up in the suburbs. And I, and I, you know, and because I grew up in the hood really, and then moved to the suburbs, it's like, yeah, I can relate to both of these, but I need something that's, right there in the middle like just give me a black girl just living her life like give me a black girl just falling in love with somebody like that was the stuff that I realized I wanted so badly as a teenager but it's not pushed to the mainstream like other YA authors are and so there's an author now but she wrote a book called everything everything and it's a black woman I th- Nicola Yoon, I think is her name, but it's literally just a story about a black girl that falls in love and it has like some weird dramatic twist to it. But it's something that like when I read it, I'm far too old to be reading like YA now, but I loved the story so much and I connected to it so much because it's like I can see myself in this character when she talks about her hair, I can relate to that, you know, and right. I think. I love now that that's happening because girls that are 16, 17, maybe 15 that love to read, they can, they have so many options now that I didn't have really only 10 years ago. So it's exciting to see where 
like really movies and books and even art it's nice to see the, the direction it's taking and I think it's cool that you're a part of that like you know people young kids or you know teenagers can read your stuff and relate to the characters in the books not even just because like they're black but because they're black and they wear glasses or because they're black and this or black and that like you especially in Therians like I related real heavy to sitting at the lunch table by myself (laughs) (laughs) like you you I mean like I've I've told you many times I loved loved the comic I love the storyline but much as I, you know, as I looked, look back on it and look back on my high school career, I'm like, wow, like, there's far too much of this that I can relate to, you know, and so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I got bullied in high school, I'm not even gonna front, I wish I had um, some ancestors living inside of me to uh, <laughs> help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do, that's the thing, I mean, we, we, we do, and a lot of us, a lot of us have had that experience. I can't tell you how many times, Imani, that when people read Therians or when people read my uh, my Instagram page where I say mm-hmm. uh, that, I'm, that I'm the ghetto nerd, how many people reach out to me and like, oh, my God, like, that's so me. Like, yes. your whole, everything on your Instagram from the ghetto didn't fit in, moved to the suburbs, didn't fit didn't in. Didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. I had to create my own world to exist in. Like, so many people talk about how that resonates with them so much because we all like especially when it comes to so-called black men we all Mm -hmm. feel there's a certain uh way that we have to be because culturally and socially uh it's been sort of dictated to us like so when you talk about young adult literature when you talk about films uh movies uh things like that of that that are what they call the so-called black film right? right um and you go back and you look at like this the 90s which is the era where I was really coming up at is in the nineties. That's where Mm -hmm. I was really, you know, really becoming aware of things. Well, all of the movies that were coming out in the nineties when I was in middle school and in high school were that had predominantly black characters were all about the hood, all about urban lifestyle, Mm -hmm. all about. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Boys in the hood. We had minister society. We had poetic poetic justice like everything was always about the uh gangster black people and and the and the gangsters were the ones that were glorified like you know the the guys that were the toughest the guys that had the the moat that were quicker on the trigger you know so it became an identity and it seems like that 90s identity is has spilled over into the 2000s so oh i I agree a hundred percent yes what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help redefine that. And I'm trying to say, look, black people are not homogenous. Like we are not, we're not all about all of, all on one type of thought process. When you're yes. talking about someone that you call black, you're talking about someone who may be into nuclear physics, uh, nuclear physics. We may be mm-hmm. into uh, 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 looking at quantum physics, or we may be, be into skateboarding, or we may be into programming computers and video games and then mm-hmm. we also may be guys that are in the inner city in the streets but there's just there's we're such we're such an eclectic group that yes. none of us we're not all one way and so mm-hmm. if, if through my stories I can help bring that out that's, that's my goal and that's my purpose so I'm yeah. glad you said that actually I also really like that you brought up the point of like 
really how like the media pushes like this narrative of really like what a black man is because like you know I'm a young woman when I started dating I realized that there were a lot of guys who were very much into that image and Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that my parents have kind of instilled in me this idea of basically any experience that you have because you're a black woman that's a black experience like really don't let anybody tell you that you have to uh know this song to be black or you have to get this reference to be black right like it's just kind of like whatever you do that's a black experience it adds to the overall experience of us as a community right and so when I would you know when I started dating especially before I transferred to Hampton it was oh it was always this like push to be seen as like this alpha male like you're never gonna mess with me I'll f you up like and it was weird to me because I'm like are you actually like this or is this this persona that you're presenting to people and it was so weird to me and now that I've gotten older I see exactly where you're coming from like you know it's really what has been pushed and it's what has been told to not even just black men but black women of how is acceptable you know like for me it's the whole like the big thing right now is like the body thing right like Mm -hmm. it used to be and I would say growing up it wasn't a big deal if you were like slim you know like nobody really cared as long as you you know like nobody really cared but now the big thing is like the real fat booty the tiny waist the big boobs the long hair like it's it's a thing now right yeah when did this happen I don't I don't know literally everybody looks like it and it bothers me right because I've always been tall and lanky so I'm like dang like so I'm like you know what I I realized I was like I cannot let that like affect me because when I like get on Instagram I get on Twitter it's like I see all these girls and whether or not they're naturally built like that or not like that's what's being praised as like ideal like for a black woman right like if you slim you look like this it's amazing if you thick and you look like that oh my god it's even better and I'm just like yo I the way I'm built naturally I'm never gonna look like that and it's like there's so many people that aren't ever gonna be that hyper vigilant quick to jump on it hood black man and there are black women that are never ever ever gonna hit what media pushes us as to what we should be and what we should do and I think it's important that we have people like you who are trying to adjust that narrative even if you know it's through a comic book or maybe a instagram post you can you said you have people that are relating to you and sending you messages like obviously you're touching somebody and they can tell somebody and they can tell somebody and you're still you know spreading your message so that's that's awesome to me and that was an interesting point you brought up about like the movies you saw and everything as a kid like well not a kid but a teenager that's a very interesting point yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Like I, I still remember when when Menace to Society came out, and there was a character uh, by the name of Old Dog, and mm-hmm. uh, Old Dog was 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 ruthless. I mean, he was absolutely ruthless. He was he was a walking nightmare. Yeah, um, and, I and remember. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and so what I found alarming, even as a child, what I found alarming was that when I went to school and we and the kids in school were discussing Menace to Society, my perspective was that I just saw a horror movie. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I just saw something that is just for the furthest thing away from anything that I ever want to live for myself. Like, right. I, don't, I don't want my life to end up like how O-Dog's life ended up or, or like uh, how the main character, I forget his name. Uh, but I don't want my life to end up like that. So I saw a horror movie. Right. But a lot of guys that were in the school, they started uh, for, for a show of aggression and, and mm-hmm. a show of manhood. They were admiring O-Dog. And we're right. talking about how, man, oh, O-Dog was the, O-Dog was the man. And I'm like, like, oh, y'all admiring O-Dog? Like, like y'all, he was the worst one. The worst. I don't want to be like O-Dog. But, but, but right then, was starting to show me, like, this stuff is influencing us. I didn't really know that at the time. Mm-hmm. But as I'm looking back at it, I'm like, these storylines are influencing us in a bad way. Like, this mm-hmm. is not what we need the story we need to be telling so i agree with you 100 percent. i think even in in theorians like uh um uh zoe uh who's able i i'm sorry to cut you off i loved her character i (laughs) loved her oh my gosh loved her she's she's not she's not drawn to be any of the things that you said Mm -hmm. that they're trying to make the black woman today uh, she has the sort of the more natural hairstyle going on. Mm-hmm. You know, she's her body is normal and natural, uh, and and she has a certain uh, a beauty to her that, yeah. that that Aben loves, and and this and that's okay. You know, all this artificiality that is being pushed on uh, our people, people we're relative to, it, it, it's 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 very damaging. You know, women mm-hmm. are getting injections and stuff that are backfiring and then they're going to the cheap cheap places yeah and it's all it's health issues they're saying that this stuff is causing women cancer it's it's mm-hmm. you know and then the, and then on the flip side of that the 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 gangster uh, way or this hyper uh, uh male uh, alpha male stuff that's being pushed in the in these urban communities is causing men to get killed causing men to get arrested you know um i tell people and i openly talk about this like I'm I'm not a sports fan. I've never have been. Okay. I've never, I've never been the type of guy that'll sit down and just watch football or basketball all day long. Yeah. And, and I and I and it took me to become an adult male to really understand that's okay. Yeah. It's okay if I don't like football. It's okay if I don't mm-hmm. like to sit there for hours and watch basketball game after basketball game. Hey, mm-hmm. that's okay. And so, what I love about it is now I have a son and he's mm-hmm. eleven. He's eleven years old and. He's at, at 11. He's 10 light years ahead of me because he's already admitting at 11 that, that I don't like sports. And I'm like, see, and that's awesome that he feels comfortable saying that. <laughs> and I would have never felt comfortable saying that. Right. I felt so insecure saying to my father and uncles, hey, I don't really like sports, man. I'm more into like astrology and looking at the stars and yeah. trying to figure out what those planets are doing up there. That's more of my speed. But he feels comfortable. And I just, and I just, to me, I, I feel like if nothing else, I'm I'm doing my job if I'm making another little brown skinned boy feel that he can say, I don't like sports. I like yes, space. I agree a hundred percent. And I want to go back to Zoe for a quick second because like I said, I loved her character, but it's because I could relate to her, right? So like I, I like to say People can debate me, whatever they want, but I like to say that I started the natural hair movement in my high school, right? So okay. And here's why I say that. So my freshman year, 
I had because I played basketball so I always most of the time had braids because it was just easier to throw my hair in a ponytail and go to practice right Mm -hmm. and so I took my braids out and my mom was taking me to get my hair pressed and my hair was getting pretty long and I, I looked at the lady I said can you just cut it she was like sweetheart your hair is like down your back I was like yeah but can you just cut it so she did what I asked she cut it into this little bob and then I told my mom, I was like, I don't really like straight hair anymore. Like, my hair isn't, you know how you say your hair is trained? That's heat damage, really. But, like, you know, my hair wasn't staying straight. I was sweating it out. And so she was like, well. So she bought me some headbands and some leave-in conditioners. She was like, because, you know, natural hair wasn't pushed in 2008, 2009. So. Right. I learned, I had to learn really the hard way how to do my hair. And girls now, they have YouTube. Y'all, when I had YouTube, it was girls with hair, light-skinned girls with hair texture that did not match mine telling me how Uh easy it was to do my hair. And I'm like, yo, (laughs) my hair is never (laughs) going to do that. And so when I started to do that, old Pimpte people laughed at me. And then next year when I came back, I still had my curls. You know, I knew how to do my hair now. I'm telling you, black girls and white girls were wearing their curls. And so I, I swear I did it. I don't, I don't, I don't care who, who debates me. I swear I did it. But when I read the story and I looked at Zoe, I saw Zoe as somebody who, from freshman year, she wore her natural curls. I saw Zoe as somebody who <laughs> was like just comfortable in herself, in her blackness, just just comfortable. And yeah. that's I love that because now that's who I am. And I think yeah. I wish that like this would have been out when I was in high school because I know that I could have read that and been like, oh, oh, you can, you she's can relate. Yeah, yeah, like she's she's <laughs> yeah, you know. And so I like that. I like that a lot. And even the point of like, you know, her natural body. I think it's interesting the point you brought up of like these narratives that are pushed, but I think as a community, we have a responsibility as black men and black women in our community to assure the opposite sex that this is not how you have to be to be seen exactly. as attractive to me. Exactly. You know, I mean like if a girl wants to get makeup and wear a waist trying to do that, by all means, that is that is completely up to you. You know, you have that freedom. If a black man wants to, you know, act like hyper hyper masculine and do all that, that's, you know, that's up to you. But just know that as a black woman, I'm telling you as a black man, that is not how you have to be. And I think as a black man, you know, there has to be this conversation of, yes, you look beautiful with your makeup and, you know, your little your booty pads and all that. But you don't have to do that to be seen beautiful by me. And if if somebody I think in your life is telling you these are things you have to do, like you got to cut that person out. I think yeah. that that's not like a healthy um, relationship or a health, healthy narrative, you know, because I think also subconsciously we're pushing this narrative to other communities that this is the only way we want to be seen. That's and right. yeah. And I think just, and it's like at the same time, we don't have to worry about how we're seen by other communities. Like we really need to focus on us, but then also at the same time, we do kind of need to be worried about as to how we're seen because, you know, those with the most power are really the only ones that can change that narrative as messed up as that is. So, yeah, but I, I agree with you 100%. I think we do need to be conscious of how we're seen as far as what is the national overall socially uh, social identity that, that is us. That is very important. And we do need to be conscious and mindful of that. 
Um, but I also think that, you know, a lot of times these sort of like identities that we feel like we need to subscribe to are indirectly given to us. So we're, yes. we don't really we don't really realize what's happening. But when we do, uh, when, when a song comes on the radio and it has a certain message or when a movie comes out and it has certain imagery, uh, all of these things affect and, and this, uh, how we view ourselves because, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, as I teach my sons that, you know, the, the, the tools of the magician. So the magician uses certain tools in order to create certain illusions for you, right? So, right. you know, and those illusions sometimes are mirrors or whatever the case may be. Uh, those tools may be mirrors or smoke or uh, a, a certain particular type of, of box that they may use. But at the end of the day, it's to create an illusion so that you uh, think something happened that really didn't happen. And, oh, and so, uh, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me now? Hello? Hey, I think, I think you cut out for a second. Okay. Yep. Can you hear me go okay now? I can. Yep. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so basically like the magician uses tools to create an illusion to make you think something happened that did not really happen. And right. so the, the, in taking that metaphor and applying it to everyday life. So the magicians are people that are in certain positions of power uh, and their tools are literature, mm. film, mm. Uh, music, multimedia are their tools. And through these tools, they create an illusion. And that illusion is that the so-called black person is this. This yeah. is what y'all are. This is where y'all from. This is what your identity is. And so we follow based upon those images. Because at one point in history, men felt that crooning their women and, and, and loving on their women and publicly professing their love mm -hmm. for their women, the thing to do based upon what was being put out through multimedia. Now, right. we have a multimedia mindset to where it's don't trust these, you know what, yeah. don't you know, and get as many of them as you can and, and all of that and, and, and don't love these, you know what, yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, that, even that, from a girl's perspective, um, have you heard of City Girls? I have not. Okay. No. Trust me. I mean, I'm personally not a fan of them, but they, from a female perspective, they push this narrative of, I think, I think the line is like, I don't give a F about these N words. Like that's, I think that's yeah. one of the lines in the song. So it's like, right. but I, 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 I see a tiny amount where they're coming from though. Like that's what a lot of black women we've heard. We've been described yeah. as, you know, hoes and dogs and the b-word and so now yeah. you have women Sad, who are like really. it is but now you have female rappers and female hip-hop uh, artists that are coming up pushing that same narrative back and it's it's interesting to see because it's like are we doing this because well, not even are we i see it as this is really um a culmination of years of hearing that stuff and now we're tired of it. But then it's not being done in the right way because, as you've said, it's been pushed that this is how you respond to that. This is how you act about this, you know? Um, exactly. And, it's, and, you talk, and, you, and you mentioned earlier young adult, uh, young adult literature. And even to that, if you remember the young coming-of-age films where the, mm -hmm. the characters were, were predominantly white people, uh, one of the things that I've often noticed in a lot of the films where the character was predominantly, the characters were predominantly white is that 
it be it may be a coming of age film, but in that coming of age film, it was okay for the popular girl in school to find interest in the nerdy guy. Yeah. Or it was it was okay for the the popular guy in school to find interest in the, the nerdy dorky girl. girl. Right. The dor- the dorky nerdy girl. Mm-hmm. But see, we don't where where are our stories where the nerdy guy is getting the girl? And see, right. that's where. In theory, Zoe is a highly sought after mm-hmm. girl in the school, but she wants Avon. And yep. Avon is the dorky, sort of like stick to himself, drawing pictures all day mm-hmm. type of guy. The kid that gets bullied by the other, like the, the top the dogs gets, on campus. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And so that narrative seat, and what happened is that in the in this in the films where the characters are predominantly white, the nerdy guy or the dorky guy is getting a hot girl, right? Mm-hmm. And then that, I saw that. I saw that translate into life mm-hmm. at Gross Point North mm. because I, I, I saw in a predominantly white high school, I saw dorky or nerdy or pimply faced guys mm-hmm. would be, would be with, with cute girls. They yeah. would get girls that were, you know, and these guys would be frumpy or nerdy or dorky, right. and they would get a girl that other people would say was she was a hot girl. You right. know, so, but 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 the narrative that's pushed to our people is that well, you you ain't, ain't no way in hell a young mm-hmm. black girl is going to be with the nerdy or the dorky guy in her school. She mm-hmm. wouldn't be caught dead with them. Like in order for her to be with him, he needs to be the he needs to have on the latest in fashion, right. or he need, he needs to be. Uh, 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 some kind of guy that can provide monetarily, which then always ends up being the little drug dealers or dope pushers in the community. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it, the in order to change that, it has to be changed through the stories, and then the stories have to be changed into media, multimedia images, mi- yes. movies, films. Then we can redefine that. Then people can say, like you, oh, I relate to Zoe. Oh, look, Zoe got with Avon. Right. And if Zoe could find interest in Avon, then maybe I could find interest in this nerdy guy at my school. You right. know, so and you know, yeah. it's yeah. it's interesting point. Like I think the the uniqueness of what it is to be black, like you know, like you said, like there's this 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 idea that's pushed in our heads that I think it's almost like you got to keep up with the Joneses of like our own community, right? Like if you are cute and you, you know, you have a great body and everybody wants you, you got to be with somebody who matches your level, right? Like you, you don't, you shouldn't have to bring somebody up, but look at, like you said, look at Zoe and Avon. Like it's a very, very interesting thing. And I think it's also cool that Zoe has this and I'm sure I'll learn more about her as I read more volumes and everything. But what I kind of picked up about her is that, yeah, she's cute. Yeah, she's popular. Yes, yeah, she likes popular things. But she also, I feel like she's the type of girl that would sit down and watch an anime. I feel like she's the type yeah. of girl that, you know, is interested in a lot of things. And, you know, there's another young black girl rapper that's coming up on the scene. And she's blowing people's minds because she is a health administration major at Texas Southern. She's a rapper that will she freestyles really great but she'll shake her booty in the tiniest shorts while still going to school while still doing what she can like she she's blowing people's minds and she loves anime right so all these dudes that have this idea of what a black woman rapper are like they have these ideas of what she should be in their heads she's blowing their minds because 
she's not fitting into that box that they want to shove her in so desperately. And I think that right. I don't completely agree with like the message of all her songs, but I like her because I think like I think she's gonna speak to a lot of different girls that you know maybe they do like rap, maybe they do like to skateboard, maybe they do like to do this, do like to do that. Things that are not pushed in our community is like a normal sport or a normal activity. I think that's her saying like, yo, you can do all these things and still be at the core of who you are, like a black woman. Like I, I didn't growing up, my little sister's best friend, he is a skateboarder. It was so weird to me that this tall, lanky black kid liked skateboarding. I'm just like, right. I'm like, I've literally, he was the first kid I'd ever seen skateboard like that. And he's good at it too. And I was just like, but from like, you know, I picked up at 15, 16, that's okay. You know, he doesn't yeah. have to like football. He doesn't have to like basketball. He, I mean, he's real tall too. So if he wanted right. to like basketball, you know, hopefully he'd be great at it because of that height. But it's like he doesn't have to like that just because he's right. black. And that's, yeah. mm-hmm, and I think subconsciously that's what I picked up on with reading Therians. You know, like just because even as this black kid that grows up in Detroit, he doesn't have to be a rapper or want to be a rapper. He doesn't have to want to play basketball. He doesn't have to want to do these things that exactly. – you know, he doesn't have to want a gangbang because that's what's around him. He doesn't have to do all those things. And, and still, what's in, still what's dwelling in him is a greatness. Right. And so I'm happy you brought that up because I was about to say, where did this idea come from? Because I don't know if you remember when we first met and I asked you afterward, I said, I feel like this is Black Panther, but it's not Black Panther. So like, where where did you get this idea from? Uh, so, so, so Therian started off, uh, I was actually walking through a museum. I believe the museum was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I, be- I believe it was. It was a natural history museum. And uh, I came to an exhibit that was an uh, Egyptian exhibit. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking through and I'm looking at the different... Um, uh, statues out of Egypt and looking at statues of, of Anubis and Horus and all these different things. And mm-hmm. so I'm just, you know, as a writer, your brain instantly starts creating. So, yes. you, so I started, just started creating this idea and this notion about who uh, Anubis was, where was he from? What, where, you know, what, what, what if, if, if maybe this was an actual species of some mm-hmm. sort, as opposed to, not really, you know, the Egyptians saw them as gods, but what if they were an actual species of human? Right. And, you know, or, or some sort of uh, uh, metahuman. And uh, mm. so the, the, the idea evolved from there. And then it's, then I started thinking, well, where did they go? Like, if, if, if Anubis and Horus and them existed at one point, what and what happened to them ultimately? And so that started my ideas, uh, that, that birthed the idea of Therians. And so, uh, I started jotting some stuff down, thinking of uh, where that that lineage would ultimately be today. And then I ran the story by my wife and she loved it and was like, yes, you need to write that, write mm-hmm. that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and she she got on me. She probably got on me for about a good two years of telling me you need to sit down and write that. And it wasn't that I wasn't trying to write it. It was that the way I write is I have to get the entire story in my head first. Right. And then I'll sit down and I'll put it on paper and I'll blast through it very quickly. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
but I just wanted to sort of tell the story and then sort of sort of bring in the historical facts of uh, what happened to a lot of people in uh, from the continent of Africa mm-hmm. uh, during the entire human trafficking uh, industries of the 15, 1600s and uh, sort of bringing all those those ideas together. But really, um, the, 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 the concept is that so many people and it's not just people, people of color, mm-hmm. but it's also people who identify as so-called white people. Mm-hmm. They're living they're, li- they're, they're living in a state of, 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 of not really knowing. Right. Yes. So uh, it's it's our it's our inability to know our lack of knowing or our lack of knowledge that keeps us all from ultimately being as super as we were intended to be. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so within each and every single one of us is the power of, of a creator, the power of God. And so, right. but we suppress it because we have been told and taught and programmed to uh, much in the way that Carter G. Woodson talked about in Miseducation of the Negro, how mm-hmm. there's a certain, certain mental consciousness a game that has been played to keep us from really realizing our true power. And so that is what's happening to these theorians in this book. There, there, there's been a, a game that has been played to keep them from realizing who and what they truly are, because if they realize who and what they truly are, maybe one day they could return to that status like Anubis and Horus mm-hmm. where they were gods amongst men. Hmm. So. That's really awesome. And um, my friend that I was sitting next to at the viewing, the two of us were literally like geeking in the front seat, right? Because we, we were like, cause I love history. So I was telling her, I was like, all of this is accurate. I was like this, I was like, he put work into this. And she was like, really? I'm like, yes. And, but we were, what we were really geeking at was that the like as you described or you explained earlier when we first started like what a motion comic is we were blown away that because I I, even without you explaining that that took a long time I can tell that took a long time a lot of effort but it's so beautifully done and I just want to commend you and your team on that because I mean and I just I'm gonna be petty for a quick second your wife, you should have listened to her in the beginning. She was a beautiful narrator. She was a great narrator. You should have just listened to her in the beginning, all right? <laughs> but uh, you know, you're right. You're right. And, I, I, and that's the thing. I never, I never, not really saw her as the narrator. I just mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't. Never knew she could do it. Like, yeah. I never. I never thought she. You know, and it's just something that didn't really cross my mind. And then yeah. it was like one day she just suggested that she could do it, and I'm like, I let let her read, and I was like, wow, well, like yeah. yeah. This is it she yeah, did it was bunch. great like it and like just the <laughs> process you went through to find the the two guys in nigeria like all of that just as somebody like a consumer of this this lets me know that when i pick this book up or when i sit down to watch this motion comic it's it's not just something that somebody threw on a page and did some word art for it like this is something that somebody put their heart their soul their time their sweat their tears into because they want to put out something that's that's quality and speaking to the people that are listening purely this is quality 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 work i messaged him the other day because he has um another um 
graphic novel out be called Resurgent, The Rise of Lazarus. And I told him, mm-hmm. I said, I need issue two now. Like, I need to know <laughs> what's going on. And I love yeah. that the um, the way your mind works, like, this is very creative because Resurgent and Therians do not connect at all. No. <laughs> and, I, and I like that. I hate when I will go to read something from somebody and all of their books connect to another book I I don't like that I like picking up something from somebody and seeing the full extent of their creative powers you know like I love that and so I'm not gonna talk about resurgent now because I could I could talk about that for hours because (laughs) that it's it's really so much in such a short peace there's so much in it i mean even like the biblical implications but they're not christian like there's so much i can go into that i can go into that but i'm not so if yeah if you're listening you want to check this out go it's the ghetto nerd.com they can purchase it there right actually uh the verse comics usa Mm -hmm. is where uh, every one of my comic books are are available now verse uh, comics usa.com okay so how many comics have you written Right now, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have about seven written. Okay. Um, out of the seven, only uh, two have been officially published through okay. Verse Comics. Um, one is in the works now. Um, I, I actually just... Um, signed a deal with uh, yuck mouth from the loonies uh to do a comic book with him Sweet. and um uh, you know he's he they did the song i got five on it which yeah. is uh, featured in uh, jordan in Peele's movie. yeah so um so i signed a deal with him and we're gonna uh i actually talked to him later today so that's 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 pretty big he that's has a dope. really strong what you know west coast following yeah and then um i got a couple of projects in the works with a few other influencers that are even bigger than yuck mouth so yeah um yeah so so those are taking priority because those people have the following right. they have the, the, the publicity um but i'm going to continue uh resurgence i'm going to continue that one um the, the thing is is really i'm starting to realize i may have to expand my company and bring in more writers because the Mm -hmm. demand for the stories are just becoming, you know, more and more. So, um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at. I got seven, seven written, uh, two published and about four in the works. So it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I like, I like what you said is you're thinking about expanding the company because when you think about it, that's how DC and Marvel got to where they are now. And it would be awesome if in 50 years, my kids could say, mommy, um, Van Randall put out something else. And I could be like, oh, honey, I interviewed him. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? You know, like that, (laughs) that would be awesome. Like, I I, I really, I would love to see that for you because, you know, the really the whole point of Imani's Corner, this podcast, Instagram page is to really support black people doing it big to support black owned businesses, black owned brands, black owned products. It's really to, it's not a huge platform, but it's, it's a platform and you know, it's, that's the, it. it's, that's what it is. Right. And I, and you talking about that on here, that makes me excited because who knows, maybe two years from now I can bring you back on and we can talk about the growth that you've experienced. That's and right. like, that's, that's really the dream right there. Right. Like just to, Absolutely. 
support and so i'm speaking it into an existence now you know you know randall publishing whatever you want to name it that's gonna be a thing (laughs) right like that's gonna be a thing because i i definitely believe you have the talent for it and the drive for it so i'm just all i'm saying is when the company opens i just want to be invited to the opening all right that's all i'm asking all i'm asking we're gonna do it we're gonna do it and i don't i don't and I don't think any platform is too small. I think I think every platform, anyone who has any interest in my work, to me is 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 a giant platform. I, to, to, as a as a writer, you 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 just to, to hear people are connecting with your work is just an amazing amazing feeling. It doesn't matter if it's one person or if it's one hundred people. Yeah. Now the only difference is is that of course if it's one thousand people, you're going to get more money because right. you're selling. As a writer, as a true artist, to hear one or two people be like, "Oh my God, like what is going on in your brain?" Like, so that's that's extremely satisfying, especially when they're not family, they're yeah. not people that you, <laughs> you know, you've known previously. Yeah. You know, just that real, real, true to life affirmation is amazing. So, yeah. thank you for that. I really, I really appreciate. It. No, you are so so welcome. I mean, like I said, you know, reading, like I said, that was my punishment as a kid. My parents would take my books, so mm-hmm. so to have it grow with me and mature with me and to be able to sit down I mean I read um Therians on my lunch break at work and I was literally flipping the page so fast and my coworker was like are you good I'm like girl I have to finish this I have to finish this it was just you know it was amazing and like um I'm just, and it's cool because I saw the motion comic before I read it so I hear the voices of the narrator and the two you know <laughs> right. and the two guys from yeah. the, the different tribes so it's so cool and I hear the the you know the uh, captain of the ship like I hear all these voices and it, it completely brought the story to life in a way that I had wow. not expected so yeah. you know are you now what's next for you you said you have all these awesome things in the works but like immediately like let's say in like the next month or so what's next for you immediately uh in the next month or so i am working on a project now that um that's i'm pretty much in the process of getting it illustrated Mm -hmm. um it's uh i'm still waiting to sign a deal but this project is actually potentially uh gonna bring forth a deal with a major network so oh um Yeah, so I, I can't talk in too much detail, but right, right. Um, but but that's in the works and that's taken a lot of lot of uh, time. Um, I'm going to be working to write uh, Yuck Mouth's uh, comic book right. um, and and to get that promoted, especially right now with us because it looks like he's going to have a box office success this oh, weekend. Yeah. So 100%. yeah, so um, that that's pretty much in the works and uh, and and then I have a TV show that I'm working on uh, a TV script that is uh, getting shopped around as well that may be potentially uh, getting a deal with a network very okay. soon as well so, that, so yeah there's a lot there's a lot on the horizon and um, within the next I say within the next 30 to 45 days mm-hmm. there, there there's going to be some very uh, news and pressworthy deals taking place so right. you'll be you'll, be the first to get the press release sweet all right that's all i ask <laughs> well a little shameless promo if you if you if you have any control over auditions just slide that yeah. my way because i was an I actress back in my day I, okay. I, I have been wanting to get back into it so this does feel a little like a little divine intervention so you know if yeah, yeah <laughs> if you do have any uh 
any say in that matter, definitely just slide my name. I can I can throw I up sure a resume will. real quick, you know. I sure will. Yes. I sure will. And I'm always looking for actors and voice actors too with these motion comics. Right. So yeah, you I... follow me and I follow you back. So yep. make sure you you know when I ask for uh, audition tapes to so shoot it over, we'll mm-hmm. we'll definitely definitely right. consider. Sweet, sweet. See you guys right. listening. Sometimes you have to just throw yourself out there. Sometimes you have That's to. That's right. All right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, I'm thank honored you. that you wanted to sit down with me at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored you wanted I'm honored you wanted to sit down with me. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. So everyone, next week I will be sitting down with Todd. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Todd Finley. He is the um, owner of the Instagram page HBCU grad. And I found him literally, I posted a picture right when I graduated and he um, literally found the picture and posted it on his page and like circulated it and everything. And so we're sitting down with him to talk about um, really how attending HBCU impacted him, where he sees his page going, why he started the page and just kind of getting to know him. So thank you again for sitting down with me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I hope y'all have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Imani. Yeah, of course. Have a great day, all right? You too now. All right. Bye. Bye.